You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Well, I wrote a, a piece a little while ago, a few weeks ago now, uh, that is still getting a lot of reaction, and I get emails about it every day. It's one of the most, I guess, provocative things I've, I've written, Apparently, and I don't mean provocative in the sense that everyone's mad about it. I mean, some people are mad about it, but provocative in the sense that it provoked a lot of uh, discussion, positive and negative. And that's good. That's, um, that's what I'm shooting for. It's not the only thing I'm shooting for, but it's something that I like to see happen. The piece was called, I didn't fall in love with my wife. And uh, I'm not going to hash out the whole thing. Now you can go read it. But I was trying to talk about love. And uh, we were talking a little bit about love. Okay. A little bit of little relationship discussion and how uh, love works in a marriage. And I was addressing this idea that spouses can, you know, uh, fall out of love with each other. And I make the point that, well, we say we can fall out of love with our wives or our husbands. And then you got to get divorced because you fell out of love, right? You're just, you just fell out. You fall into love. You fall out of it. You're just, you're walking down the street. You trip into love out of nowhere accidentally and then uh and then you're in love and then next thing you know a few years later after you get married you fall again and up oh, i've fallen out of love like a like a love is some sort of a it's like you're like an exploding airplane like you're in an airplane and it blows up and you fall out of it that's what love is to a lot of people and it's a good analogy because what that's one of the things i hate about being on an airplane is that you have no control over anything that's happening. You're entirely at the mercy of forces outside of your control. There's very little you can do. You, there, there are small precautions you can take, but that's only to um, try to, to make a, a probably pointless, fruitless attempt to minimize the damage when anything does go wrong. So you can put on your seatbelt, but if the thing falls out of the sky at 30,000 feet... That seatbelt's not going to do you much good. Um, anyway, what was, this, what, what was this analogy supposed to be about? All right, love. So that's how we look at love. Is it, it, that you're, you're, you're in a marriage and it's essentially a vehicle saying at 30,000, you have no control over it or over anything that happens. You're in mercy of forces outside of your control. That's how a lot of people look at love. And I make the point that, well, we say we can fall out of love with our wives and husbands, but we never say that about our kids, do we? 
Because it seems um, we often seem to value our kids above our spouses. We would sever the relationship with our spouses, but we don't, we would never sever the relationship with our kids. And so that's what I want to focus on for a second. But, but here's the relevant portion of the article that um, I'm going to talk about. I say, uh, if you can forgive the arrogance of me reading my own stuff to you on a podcast, uh, even if you don't feel particularly affectionate towards your kids in, a, in any particular moment, every parent has been there. You still love them and you recognize that you have a duty to them. All decent human beings understand that you can't abandon your children just because you have some unpleasant feelings about parenting. So why don't we understand this about marriage? Why do we love our kids no matter what while attaching a series of conditions to the love we have for the very person we publicly pledge to love unconditionally? For my part, I know that I, I owe my love to my kids and my wife, but nobody is more entitled to it, to me, all of me, than my wife. I am in debt to her. I promised her my love, and I am called to fulfill that promise. True, it's easy now. She's a beautiful person through and through, so holding up my end of the bargain is not a chore. But if those were conditions for my love, if I only intended to love her as long as she could stun me with her grace and beauty, then I would not love her at all. I would be a mercenary in it just to get mine for as long as it remains profitable. That's a fine approach to business, but it's just not how marriage is supposed to work. So, um, a lot of reaction in particular to this part. And I just got an email today uh, as an example. I'll share it with you, and I want to respond to it. It says, Matt, I respect your work and normally agree wholeheartedly. However, I just read your piece about loving your wife, and I agree up until the end where you seem to suggest that you love your wife more than your kids and that your relationship with her is more important. I really disagree. I think all relationships in a family are equally as important. We shouldn't value our kids less than our spouses, but we shouldn't value them more either. That's the way to build a happy family. Yeah. Look, I know this is the commonly accepted view of uh, families, one of equality and sameness, one where everyone is equal and uh, everyone is equally as important. All relationships are equally as important. But it's just not true. It isn't. That's not how relationships work. And let's start with this. The most important relationship in a family is the one the parents have with God. That serves as the foundation for everything else. That's the, uh, the soil, I guess you might say. And from there, in there, everything grows or fails to grow, as the case may be. If we put our spouses or our kids above God, as many of us do, we have no foundation for that relationship with them. It's not built on anything. It's not growing from anything. It just is. And even worse, even worse than being built on nothing, it's built on emotion, not on any sense of God-ordained uh, responsibilities or fidelity. Uh, not on any sense that we're fulfilling our vocation that God has given to us. But just on the fact that we feel nicely towards our spouses and kids. That's the foundation for our relationship with them, is how we feel towards them. But again, what happens when we no longer have those feelings? What then? If you have God in your life, if he's the center, the bedrock your family, the nucleus, your family can stay intact even through emotional turmoil or emotional uh, dry spells or anything else because you still have God. And I think oftentimes what you find in uh, relationships, let's just take a marriage, 
where they go through some difficult times. They have God. Uh, they God is the foundation of the marriage. They come out, and you say sometimes you'll hear married couples say that they have these tough times. They come out stronger at the end of it. And uh, that might just be a cliche for some people, but for some people it's true. And how, and how do you come out stronger? If you have some kind of crisis in your family, if you go through a tough time in your marriage, how could you come out stronger at the end of it? And I think the answer is um, when, when these couples are going through this time, all they have binding them together is God. All of the other kind of superfluous things are stripped away. And they don't even have their feelings anymore because their feelings are at, all out of whack. All they have for each other is God. That's the only thing tying them together. And what they discover, I think, is that that was always the only thing tying them together. It's the only thing. It's, 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 the, it's the one thing. It's the only thing you need. And I think when couples experience that, they go through that, they understand just how dependent they are on God. Um, that's when they can come out stronger on the other end. Realizing that all these other things are nice if they're working and they're clicking, but those aren't the things that bind you together. But let's say we all agree on that point. What's next? God is the most important. And then after that, we're all equal? No. We already established that there's a hierarchy. So what comes next? Well, I would say that, and I'll just speak as myself here as a husband, the next most important person to me is my wife. And the next most important relationship is our marriage. And I think this makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Just as our relationship, our you know relationship came from God, is rooted in God, and we came from God ourselves, so our children came from us and our relationship to them flows through and is rooted in our relationship to each other. If this relationship break down, breaks down, if the relationship I have with my wife breaks down, everything else falls apart. Now think on, you know, on the other hand, if my relationship to one of my kids breaks down for a time, that's bad. We need to work on it, but the family can survive if my wife and I stick together. And you, you find this in families all the time. I think it's inevitable that you're going to go through it, that there's a, a, a very tough period between parent and child. And sometimes it's one particular parent. Sometimes it's the daughter is having a really tough time with the, with the, uh, with the mother. And, and, but you can survive that. And that can, relationship can all but end, um, hopefully not entirely. But you hear about families where, you go through a period, the, the kid's not even talking to the parent, and things are really, really bad. There almost is no relationship at all. The family can survive. That's not fatal to the family. The family can keep going as long as the, as long as the white husband and wife stay together. If they stay united, the family keeps going in spite of these problems. Now, if the, fa- if the husband and wife break apart, if there's a fracture, a split in that relationship, it's over. The family is over. Everything hinges on that relationship. So I've heard it said that um, the best thing a father can do for his kids is to love their mother. And I think that that is a very deep truth. The same could be said for, uh, for the mother, of course, that the best thing she can do for her kids is love their father. Kids need that. 
kids uh, feel safe, secure, protected, loved if they see that their parents are okay. But no matter how much you love your kids, no matter what you say to them, no matter what you do for them, if they can tell that you don't love your wife or your husband, if they can tell that their parents don't love each other, if they can tell, if, 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 and if their parents aren't even together anymore, if that marriage is broken apart, they're going to feel unsafe, unsecure, and frankly, unloved. That's just the way it's going to go. And you see this all the time with, uh, and I'm not saying that divorced parents don't love their kids. What I'm saying is the, the, the kids are not going to feel the love in the family as much as they would otherwise. There's going to be a lot of other things mixed in. Guilt, fear, doubt. These are all the things the kids are going to be experiencing. So you see this all the time with divorced families where both parents go out of their way to um, just uh, slobber all over the kids, frankly. Tell them how wonderful they are, how much they love them, so on and so forth. But there's a reason why they have to continually reassure their kids. Because that's not normal. You shouldn't have to keep on saying it over and over again. Now, I say I love my kids on a regular basis, but not in this kind of desperate, reassuring way where, they, where I need to keep telling them because they'd forget otherwise or, or they really doubt whether there's love in our family. I don't even need to say it. They see it. And this is the problem. This is what happens. The relationship we have with our spouses, the relationship I have with my wife, it came first, and uh, if we stay true to our vows, it will be the one that endures. My wife was here before my kids, and God willing, um, if we, you know, barring any kind of tragedy where one of us dies, my wife and I will be together after my kids leave. Eventually, my kids are going to leave the house. They're not going to be in the house. You know, we're, we're not going to see them nearly as much as we do now. They're going to go on and live their lives and have their own kids and their own spouses. And who's going to be left after all that? Who am I left with? Well, my wife. She was there in the beginning. She'll be there in the end, God willing. And there throughout. This relationship literally came first. In the chronological sense, it came first. And in every other sense, it needs to come first. I think this is pretty obvious when you think about it. That doesn't mean, I wouldn't say, you know, when you say, well, you love your kids less than your wife. That's not how I would put it. In fact, you know, I hesitate to even say um, I love God more than I love my wife. And let me explain what I mean by that. Now, we should love God above all else. Okay, so the love for God comes first. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. Okay, let me be clear. But what I mean is when we, when we start to say, here's the impression that it sends. When we start to say, well, I love this person more than this person, or I love God more than this person, then it makes it sound like there's a certain amount of love that you're withholding from these other people so that you can give it to someone else. It's what it sounds like. Or that the, these, kind, these loves are in competition. So if I were to say, I love God more than my wife, I, that's not ex I, I don't think that's exactly the right way to put it because these loves are not in competition with one another. They're in harmony with one another. The love I have, although my relationship with my wife comes before my kids and rela my relationship with God comes before my wife, all of these, if it's all, if I'm doing it right, all of these things are in harmony. They work together. They don't compete. 
I'm not withholding from one to give to the other. It doesn't work that way. The point is when you give to one, you are giving to all of them. So though I put God first and I love God the most or, you know, and that's how we should live. When I live in service to God, although this, I'm, I do so very imperfectly, but when I live in service to God, I am also living in service to my wife at the same time. That is how I serve my wife. That is how I um, would manage to be a good husband. If I'm being a good husband, it's, it is directly proportional to how much I love God. So that's really, I think, the way we put it. It's not love one more than the other. Exactly. It's, it's which love flows from where. So love for God is at the peak. It's kind of at the, you know, the, at the crest of the waterfall or at the top. And, and everything flows down from there. And then it goes to my wife. And then it flows from my wife to my kids. And so that's how it works. Not a competition. Not a competition, but it is a hierarchy. What we should do is we should love each person in the family as much as we possibly can. We withhold nothing. So that's why you can't get it. It's, it's dangerous to get into the measuring or saying more or less and using these words that I think are very misleading because they don't quite capture what it is, what it means to love. We love, I love, we should, I should love my kids. I do love my kids as much as I can possibly love, much as I can possibly love. I love my kids as much as I possibly can. I withhold nothing from them. But to love them means a certain thing. It makes certain demands on me. It requires certain things of me. And I get certain things from that love in return. Um, and for my, to love my wife makes certain demands. To love God makes certain demands. And when you look at the hierarchy of relationships and which people, which relationships are the most important, you know, the, the more important relationships demand more of you. So our relationship with God demands the most. We must live our entire life in service to God. Everything we do must be consistent with what God wants, although we're, we're all, of course, imperfect in doing that. So that's our love for God is, is all-encompassing, makes demands on every facet of our lives. And then I have my wife and then my kids and I'm moving on. So even, you know, we're supposed to love uh, all people, right? Even uh, the stranger on the street that I walk by. I'm supposed to love that person too, right? Would I say that I love my kids more than I love that person I walk by on the street? We might say it that way, but again, it doesn't, it's, it's not exactly accurate. It doesn't capture it because I'm not supposed to withhold love from that person either. But the relationship that I have with that person on the street is way far down on the totem pole. It's way far down in the hierarchy in that there's hardly any relationship at all other than just the, the, the human relationship that we all have which is way far down there. And so I don't have the same responsibilities to that person. I'm supposed to love them also. And even that love shouldn't be in competition with any other love, but it, that relationship doesn't make the demands on me that my relationship to my kids do. I don't have the same responsibility to them. And so maybe, maybe that's the way to phrase this. Maybe that's what it really, really comes down to. Rather than talking about who do you love more, it's who, who do you have the most responsibility to? I think it's clear your first responsibility is to your spouse and then your kids. And as I say, if you fulfill your responsibility to your spouse, then just in doing that, you will have fulfilled almost all of your responsibility to your kids. And here's the, here's the last thing. I think when this gets out of whack and when, we, uh, when, we, um, when our families become disordered and we don't understand who we, who our first responsibility is to and which relationships come first and everything. And, you know, the, and the kids end up on top and then the spouse and then, and then God isn't even in the mix or he's far down there. 
or really most of the time when we start doing it this way, then, then the first relationship that is, that's going to be at the top is ourselves. We put ourselves at the top and then our kids and then our spouse and then, uh, and then God doesn't even make the list or he's way down there, right? And another problem with this uh, arrangement, aside from the ones I've already described, is um, that you, you know, it, it does contribute to creating these narcissistic, egomaniacal kids, these kind of spoiled brats who think that the world revolves around them, who think that they're the most important people in the world because that's how their parents treat them. They've never been told that, no, your desires are subordinate to something else. That's why it's imp- kids need to understand this, that what you want, your desires are not the most important thing going on. There are other needs that come before yours. There are other desires that come before yours. It's subordinate. This is something, and this is why we have a lot of insubordinate kids, because they don't understand this. They think that whatever they want is the most important thing, and, and everyone has to drop everything and give them what they want, because that's the way their families work. And so it's important for kids, it's important for my kids to know that, yeah, it's great that you want that, but, that, but that's not the most important. What you want is not the most important thing. And it's more, to me, it's more important first to know what your mom wants. And that's an important lesson. It's a very important lesson. I remember even in small ways, I was taught this as a kid. You know, even in small, even, even like little things where uh, my mom would make a batch of cookies or something and there would be one or two cookies left and uh, I would go to eat it and my mom would say, no, that's, that's for your dad if he wants it. I would say, oh, but I want it. Well, it doesn't matter. If your dad wants it, he gets it. What you want is not as important as what your dad wants. And what my mom was telling me even more, more than that, what my mom was telling me is uh, she was saying, what you want is not as important to me as what your dad wants. I am more concerned with what your dad wants than with what you want. Very important lesson. And I think it's what we all need to teach our kids. All right. Um, so that's my parenting uh, sermon for the, for the, for the week. I'll talk to you guys next time. Akruche Salus. Godspeed. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951.